You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. In this podcast, we will be diving into the series, The Bait of Satan with Pastor Robert. This has meant a lot to me. Uh, I'm preparing this in the last uh, couple weeks, and uh, I've learned some great things. Uh, but I also realized that I had learned things throughout the years, and it has helped me. And uh, I'm praying that it'll help you tonight. So the title is My Father, My Father. Mike, can you turn me up a little bit? I'm used to being up there by the monitors, and I don't have a lot of voice. Um, Again, the title is My Father, My Father. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 24 and 11. And uh, 1 Samuel 24 and 11. I'll wait for you to get there. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 11. I still hear pages. The only reason I can hear the pages, I I have hearing aids. And I just turned them up. (laughs) It's pretty bad when you put the thermometer in your mouth and it beeps and you can't hear it. And your wife in the last two days saying, it's beeping. <laughs> uh, all right, let's read from the Word of God. And I'm going to, I'm going to do a little bit more reading tonight than normal, but uh, I just believe that's, there's something worthy of that right there. First Samuel 24 and 11, Moreover, my father, see... Yea, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe and killed thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in mine hand, and I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. Pastor Aaron, would you bless the reading of the Word of God? And then shortly, Mona, I'm going to call on you to pray, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're asking your blessing tonight, Lord God, upon our hearts and our minds to receive the teaching, Lord God. Father, I pray the anointing all over Pastor, what he studied, Lord God, help him to bring it forward the way that you want it to. That way we receive it, Lord God, and we ask your blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen. In our last lesson when we met, uh, we saw how Joseph's brothers had sought to destroy him. And we seen in the life of Joseph how their betrayal brought him much pain. And I opened it up uh, and asked questions if anyone had been offended, had been uh, betrayed by a sibling. And uh, throughout these lessons, we've had tremendous open discussion and we've had some deep um, feelings coming out and people being honest. And I would ask that we would continue to do that because not only does it help you with the pain and the betrayal that you are trying to overcome, but it also helps somebody else that will hear that. So it is one thing to experience rejection and malice from a brother, but it's a lot worse when it comes from a father. We've been pretty open, and I'm going to ask you tonight, and we don't have to be long-winded. Has anyone experienced betrayal, hurt from a father? Um, wait a second, they're just, they're just showing. Does anybody want to share briefly a little bit about that? Okay, that's what I kind of figured. I will. Okay, go ahead. Uh, the three of us, my kid brother and my older brother has been coming, we're filling up this piggy bank and it's pretty much full. You can barely shove any more money in it. Yeah. And we've decided we're talking about it, that we're going to crack it open, split it, and we'll go in the next day to crack it open. And our father yeah. had cracked it open and yeah. stole from us yeah. completely. Yeah. Can you, how long ago was that, Aaron? 
say I was probably eight or nine. Okay. Can you still hear the hurt in the voice? So it's one thing to be betrayed by a sibling, but it's much more painful to be betrayed, to be wounded, to be hurt by a father. Anyone else want to share anything? I'm not going to tarry there. Yes, go ahead, Justin. Yes, uh, I was uh, 21 years old when I first met my father, um, and uh, it's it's just I almost didn't. Um, at one point in time, me and me and Brittany had to discuss divorce and stuff. I'm not really sure if uh, anybody, everybody here knows that, but you know we we did, and um, if I would have went down that path and and um, not not been able to, you know, I, if I if I went down that path, I I possibly could have took the same path that my father took, mm-hmm. and not being these these beautiful kids' life, and it's just made me need to need to be the father that I am today, and uh, it's just it's been a blessing. Uh, it's been a blessing since he's came into my life. I'm 31 years old now. Uh, there's still been some, um, actually, a good bit of struggles there, but there's there's still hurt there. We we don't have a relationship like like most fathers should. I I haven't talked to him in probably a week and a half, but he's talked to my wife and he's talked to my kids, and that's all that matters to me. I mean, it's not it's not a. I mean, it's about me and him, but also it's about I want him to have a relationship with these kids, and with him with me and him building our relationship. It's helped him to build his relationship with his father because he also didn't have he didn't have a relationship with his father either. But uh, yeah. yeah, I just just briefly wanted to share that. Well, very important there to pick up the last part of that generational generational. Do you hear me? So if you're experiencing that, then you need to be the generation to stop that, to mend that, okay? Justin, so it's not only about a relationship with your father, with your kids, but we're gonna believe and you need to cultivate the relationship with your father. And that'll happen the more you cultivate your relationship with the Lord. And when you come to, um, to be revived in the next week and a half, two weeks, and refreshed, I believe God will use you because your heart will be right to go and talk to him, okay? Anybody else? We could stay here all night, and we may. We don't have to quit. We can do this for the next three months. Someone bring Crystal up. Um. Growing up, we had the great, the perfect family. Yeah. So many of our friends wanted to live the life that I had, mm-hmm. you know. At the age of 19, my dad left my mom, but he not only left my mom, he left all three of us. Mm-hmm. And that's, he deserted us. And I, I hated him. Mm-hmm. I, had to, I was daddy's girl for 19 years. And all of a sudden, he wasn't there. He picked mm-hmm. someone else in a different life alcohol and everything and until we've been married 17 years maybe in the last five years I've forgiven my Mm -hmm. dad and we have started that relationship and I'm still daddy's little girl Mm -hmm. and he now is dying he has Alzheimer's but he's never forgotten his sissy and um, he tells us he's told my mom over and over he's so sorry Had he do it to do over again, we'd still all be a, the Bates family, you know. Yeah. But um, it was hard because, honestly, at the age of 19, I felt like everyone kept saying, remember all them good times. I said, what good times? The ones that he just flushed down the toilet that he let go, and that was my feeling. Like I said, I, I had to deal with it, and I dealt with it for a long time. Of but you said the last like five it. years. Five or six years, yeah. You, you had forgiven him. Is the last five, six years better? For your life? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And now I'm taking care of him as he's dying, you yeah. know, helping him. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, awesome. yeah, it's, it's turned around, but yeah. there for a long time. Yeah. Somebody else. Somebody else. Somebody else. Um, Where'd that come from? Right here. <laughs> okay, Anthony. Some of the choir knows this. I spoke with them about prayer on it. Uh, my father passed and not too long ago, but my two brothers and him, uh, they stole a lot of property from me and finances that I was planning on for my latter years. And yeah, it hurt. Um, could have been up into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, because I had plans for the property. And uh, never one time in my 59 years uh, heard my father say, I love you. But to the ones that hear through the grace of God that's going through things, he can, you can hang in there. You can, you can get through this thing. And uh, I appreciate people that's prayed for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just thank God that I'm here where I'm at. God's gave me a new family. Started all over again. I'm totally blessed, and those are the things I can look at and enjoy. Yeah. Anthony, which would you rather have? I know the answer, but I want to ask. Which would you rather have? Would you rather have the property, or would you rather have heard your dad say, I love you? <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> did you say probably the property? <laughs> you and Crystal must be related. <laughs> yeah, that's not the answer I was looking for. <laughs> but both would have been acceptable. Amen. Amen. Well, then somebody in this room needs to hear that tonight, that you need to tell your children that you love them. And uh, I, I love my kids. I look back, I see my son, my oldest boy here tonight was here this morning. I watched him walk out of his car this morning and I was standing in my office with my hands up saying, thank you, Lord. Just bless my children, all right? Well, the temptation, uh, we all deal with temptation and the temptation to get even is one that we all have to face. So two wrongs don't make a right. So you that have spoken, and I promise you there's a lot more tonight that are dealing with that issue. Don't try to get even, and that's what we're going to learn from this story. Um, revenge often seems perfectly justified. You hurt me. Me being mean to you, you it, I can justify it because you left me. Because you didn't tell me you loved me. Because you sold my inheritance. Just as it did in David's case. But it's the furthest thing from what God wants from all of us. Now I want to pray on Mona, or I call on Mona to pray. And I want you to pray that the Holy Spirit would soften our hearts here tonight. And there would be healing take place. Even if your father is gone. Mona. Father, we come to you and I pray that our hearts are softened. When we're hard and we've put up walls and chained ourselves, we can't hear from you, we can't feel you. And Lord knows we cannot go forward. So I'm asking now that you would touch each heart in this place, God. That you would break the strongholds of hurt and pain and pettiness and jealousy. That healing would come to hearts and families. And that we would require ourselves to make the first step. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're never going to hear that person yeah. say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. They may be gone. But you are the perfect father. You give us the example that we need, and I pray that someone today will make that step, make that call, send that message to a father or a brother or a mother, God, and allow healing to begin in them and in their families. And Lord, we ask this in your holy name. Amen. When you come to this place in your heart, 
then you'll be open. Your heart will open up to God's plan for your life and for the blessings that God has for your life. Now, when I speak of a father tonight, there's also the mother, okay? Um, where are the fathers? Where are the fathers in America today? There is a cry for a father, for a man to disciple, to love, to support. There's a cry for fathers to encourage, to be an encourager. Malachi chapter four, verse six. This is why God said he would turn the hearts of the fathers. Now when I say the word fathers there, it also means leaders. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that. To the children, which is the people, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. God gives us a warning here of reconciliation. God wants us to be reconciled with one another, just like we, he wants us to be reconciled with him. And that can only happen, we can only reconcile the pain that I've heard here tonight. The only way that it can happen is through Jesus Christ. It's the only way that it can happen. I guarantee it. So does anyone here have a story uh, other than what Justin already shared with us of reconciliation? Can anybody share a story where you've been betrayed, you've been hurt by a father, by a leader, and God is reconciled? Is there one, anyone want to share that? All right, Scotty. Someone bring Scotty a microphone. Mine was with my father. Um, Thirteen. Me and my brothers were removed. My parents had divorced, and we were removed from his home. And um, things just happened. I don't really want to go into, but it made me bitter. And. Um, didn't care if he lived or died, really, to be honest with you. As far as I care, he could have died, and that was it. And um, I had a hard time. I thought I would forgiven him over and over again. But there came one day when me and my oldest son got into a fight. God said to me, how can you be a good father if you can't be a good son? Mm-hmm. And I had to go and mend things with my father so that me and my son could have a relationship in right. life. Yeah. This past week, it hurt to see him stumble and fall. Yeah, he was with us on the joy trip. Go ahead. So they'll know what you're talking about. And uh, I just thank God that I had that man in my life now that I get to call dad. Because he used to just be Pete Beverly. Yeah. I thank God for that. Yeah. Amen. That's awesome. Our nation uh, as a whole, I believe, has suffered because of the loss of fathers. Um, the loss of leaders. The loss of godly ministers um, that should be a father figure to many. Um, many leaders in our homes and in our businesses and churches are more concerned with their goal than their offspring. And I thought a lot about that. Um, the success of my vision does not justify wounded lives and shattered people. The success of your dreams and your vision doesn't justify the wounded people and the shattered lies for you to step on to get to where you want to be, okay? It doesn't. And, and I'm not trying to be boastful, but I've never intentionally tried to hurt anybody to get to the vision that God has given me because you'll never make it. You'll never make it. Um, 
again, I, I don't want to look um, like I'm trying to be holier than thou at all. And, and, I, and I talked a lot with the Lord the last couple of days about this. Um, but the staff that works with me, um, I feel like I'm a father figure to them. And some are older than I am. Scotty used to be on staff, and I know that I'm a father figure to Scotty. Trey, I talked to him earlier this evening about this, if I could share. And Trey's mother was here visiting from out of town um, three or four weeks ago, and she came to me in the foyer. And she said, Pastor, I thank God for you. She said, you have become a father figure in my son Trey's life. So not only me, but you that are business people that are in management, those people that are working with you, they're not there just for you to get your vision, to accomplish your vision. You need to be a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. Justin, when I was in the hospital and you was texting me every day, pouring his heart out to me. And it meant the world to me. And I realized right then that I have become a father figure to you in your life. So as business owners, you got a responsibility, not just to get your business to where it needs to be. But, you know, there's times I walk by and I'm always looking at the staff's tires and you know, I, the, the board here gives me permission to make certain decisions. And there's times I'll just say, hey, you know, go get your tires, you know, take the church card and go. You use your vehicle. You know, they go on vacation, do a little something extra for them. When something goes wrong in some of their lives, they come to me. And I've held some of them in my arms. I've had a couple collapse and I held them and they've cried. That's a father figure. Again, I'm not trying to make, I'm trying to teach tonight. So don't look around and just see people as just your vehicle to get to where you want to go. If you become a father, a spiritual father figure or a mother in their life, God will accelerate your vehicle to get you to your success. Does anyone understand what I'm saying? So what was, what was Saul's problem? I want to ask you, what was Saul's problem that he's, he's trying to kill David? What, what was Saul's real problem? Does anybody know? Jealousy? Yeah. Fear? Yeah, that's a little closer, I think. He was fearful of losing his kingdom. Saul was trying to protect his kingdom. And I said earlier, I've learned a lot down through the years. And I don't know, it's a season of my life where it seems like God's pulling it out that I can share with other people. Um, I've seen ministry change to like when we brought Pastor Aaron on staff to be the visitation pastor. And I had prayed for months before. Used to, I needed somebody, uh, just grab someone. <laughs> but I understood that bringing him on as visitation pastor, I knew what would happen. And here's what I knew, and it came to pass. That every day he visits with a family, and he would bond with that individual. And the Lord let me know months before, you got to be able to be secure enough, Robert, in your walk and in your position and in your season of life. Because if you're not, you're going to be a Saul and you're going to try to kill the very one I've anointed to help you. And since that time, People that I've pastored for 20 plus years have passed and the family has asked him to do the funeral 
and one just a few weeks ago called me, or I called them for another reason, and they said, man, I need to make something right with you. And I knew where they was headed. I said, whoa, whoa. I said, listen, we don't want to offend you. We don't want to hurt you. I said, you haven't hurt me. You haven't offended me. He's brought your dad meal after meal. He's set with him. He is bonded with him. Saul's problem was something that I had learned from. Saul was trying to protect his kingdom. Do you hear me? When you know that you're secure in your walk with the Lord and your, your position and in your season, every, every season will change. Do you hear me? Every season will change. So be very careful when somebody else starts getting patted on the back around you, somebody else starts receiving a little bit of rewards that you don't, yes, become jealous and you don't become fearful that you got to protect your kingdom because I don't have to protect my kingdom. I'm just using that as an illustration because God's my protector. Okay? Amen? Anybody learn anything there? He had a kingdom to protect. How many leaders, I wonder, how many leaders uh, have cut off good men or women under them because of suspicion without facts? Suspicion without facts. I suspicion they're after my job. Anybody in the building ever think that? Be honest. You all, you guys are not telling the truth. It wasn't a hand went up. Has anyone ever been suspicious that somebody was out to take a piece of your pie? Huh? Thank you. Thank you. Bunch of liars, my goodness. Saul enjoyed the success. Now listen to this. Saul enjoyed the success of David until he saw it as a threat to him. Anyone experience something like that? Be honest. Anybody ever experienced something like that? Where was that hand? Linda? Yeah, go ahead. I love this. This is good. I hope it is. When I um, announced I was going to retire from my position, and we had an assistant administrator, then it became my job to make her successful. Yeah. And that was hard to lay down 22 years of experience mm -hmm. and lay it aside to, to ensure that she was gonna flourish in yeah. that position. And so what, I, what I'd hoped would have been my last year as administrator wasn't, yeah. the previous year was. That last year was her year. And that was hard. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate your honesty. I got one person honest in the room tonight. <laughs> Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? So what happened with Saul? What did he do? He demoted David and watched for a reason to destroy him. Listen to what the scripture is saying. David was concerned that Saul believed he was rebellious and evil. David's thinking that his spiritual father thinks that he's evil and he's rebellious. In 1 Samuel 24 and 11, moreover, my father, David is speaking here. He says to my father, see, yea, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand, for in that I cut off thy skirt of thy robe and killed thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in my hand. And I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. He thought he was evil. He was worried about that. Listen to me. People who have been rejected, especially Betrayed by a father, a lot of times take the blame on themselves. Children, what did I do wrong that mom and dad divorced? 
hurt by a dad. Well, what did I do wrong? I want to go to page 37 in my leadership guide. And I want to read from there. And I've gotten ahead of myself somewhere. And I'm going to get it straight. Okay. Maybe I'm good, okay? Nah, I messed up somewhere, but I'm gonna, we're going to wing it. To examine an example of a father who betrayed, let's look at the relationship between King Saul and David. Their lives touched even before they met as Samuel, the prophet of God, anointed David to be the next king of Israel. David must have been overwhelmed with excitement, thinking this is the same man who anointed Saul. I'm really going to be the king. I didn't get messed up. I know where I'm at now. Back at the palace, Saul was being tormented by an evil spirit because he had disobeyed God. His only relief came as someone played the harp. Saul's servants began to look for a young man who could sit in his presence and minister to him. And one of the king's servants suggested David, the son of Jesse. King Saul sent for David and asked him to come to the palace and minister to him. Now listen, David must have thought, God is already bringing to pass his promise through the prophet. Surely I will win the favor of the king this must be my entry level position. And time passed. And David's father asked him to bring refreshments to his older brothers who were at war with the Philistines. And upon arriving at the battle lines, David saw the Philistine champion Goliath mocking the army of God and learned that this had gone on for 40 days. He found out that the king had offered his daughter's hand in marriage to the man who defeated this giant. David went before the king and requested permission to fight. And he killed Goliath and he won Saul's daughter. And by then he had won Saul's favor and was brought into the palace to live with the king. Jonathan, Saul's oldest son, made a covenant of everlasting friendship with David. And everything Saul gave David to do, the hand of God was on him and it prospered. Then king requested that he eat at the table with his own sons. David was thrilled. He was living in the palace, eating at the king's table, married to the king's daughter, friends with Jonathan, and successful in everything that he did. He was even winning the favor of the people. Uh-oh. He could see the prophecy unfolding before his very eyes. I'd say he was naive. Saul favored David over all these other servants. He had become a what? A father to him. David was sure Saul would mentor and train him and one day with great honor put him on the throne. David was rejoicing in God's faithfulness and God's goodness. But in one day, everything changed. Sound familiar in your life? Crystal, in one day. Justin, in one day. Anthony, in one day. I can go around the room, Mona, in one, there was a day that everything changed. As Saul and David, listen to this, returned from battle, side by side, the women from all the cities of Israel came out dancing and singing, and Saul, they said, is slaying thousands. Now, they said Saul had slaying thousands. And then they said, and David, his tens of thousands. That's the day that everything changed. Do you hear what I'm saying? This infuriated Saul, and from that day forward, he despised David. Twice, as David played his heart for him, Saul tried to kill him. The Bible says that Saul hated David because he knew God was with David, but not with him. 
David was forced to run for his life. With nowhere else to go, he ran to the wilderness. What is happening? David had to be thinking to himself, what is going on? The promise was unfolding and now it's shattered. The man who is my mentor is trying to kill me. What can I do? Saul is God's anointed servant. David is saying, what can I do? With him against me, what chance do I have? He's the king. He's God's man. He's over God's nation. David must have thought, why God are you allowing this? Have you ever thought that in your life? Why God are you allowing this? Saul chased David from the wilderness to wilderness, chased him from cave to cave, accompanied by 3,000 of Israel's finest warriors. They had one purpose, to destroy David. At this point, the promise was just a shadow. David no longer lived at the palace, no longer ate at the king's table. He inhabited damp caves and ate the scraps of wilderness beasts. He no longer rode at the king's side, but was hunted by the men who once fought by his side. There was no warm bed, no servants to attend to him, no compliments in the royal court. His bride was given to another. Hello, that would tick me off. He knew the loneliness of a man without a country. Notice that God, not the devil, placed David under the care of Saul. Think about that. God put him under the care of Saul, a man that would try to kill him and destroy him. Why? Why would God not only allow this, but also plan it? Why was favor dangled before David's eyes only to have it abruptly taken away? This was a prime opportunity for David to be offended. Not only with Saul, but to be offended also with God. What you've been through has been a great opportunity for you to be offended to those, the father figure that has scarred you, but also an opportunity to be offended with your God. But there is a mighty lesson that we'll learn here tonight. All the unanswered questions increase the temptation to question God's wisdom and God's plan. Saul was so determined to kill this young man at any cost that his madness increased. He became a desperate man. Priests in the city of Nob, I don't know how you pronounce that, N-O-B, provided David with shelter, food, and Goliath's sword. They knew nothing about David running from Saul and thought he was on a mission for the king. And they inquired of the Lord on David's behalf and sent him on his way. They didn't know about what was going on. They was trying to bless David. When Saul found out, he was so fearful and so jealous and trying to protect his kingdom. He was furious. He killed 85 innocent priests of the Lord and put the entire city of Nob to the sword. Every man, woman, child, nursing infant, cow, donkey, and sheep, he carried the judgment against them, the innocent, that he was supposed to carry against the Amalekites. He was a murderer. How could God ever put his spirit on such a man? At one point, Saul learned David was in the wilderness of En Gedi and set out after him with 3,000 warriors. During the journey, they stopped to rest at the entrance of a cave. Not knowing that David was hiding in the back, Saul removed his outer robe and laid it aside that I read earlier. David quietly slipped out of his hiding place and cut off a piece of the discarded robe and crept away without being noticed. And after Saul left the cave, David bowed down to the ground and cried out after him. And he said, my father, can't you see? See the corner of your robe in my hand? Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand. And I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. David's cry to Saul was, my father, my father. To put it plainly, he was crying, can't you see my heart? Be a father to me. I need a leader to train me, not to destroy me. Even while Saul was trying to kill him, David's heart still burned with hope. David could have killed him. What would you have done? 
what would you have done? David was wise when he chose to let God be Saul's judge. So if you've been wounded and you've been scarred and you've been betrayed, wisdom tonight when you leave here will tell you, don't try to get even. Don't try to avenge yourself. God has a way of working things out. Prayer and time and God will heal what you can't begin to heal. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whom did God use to judge Saul? Was it his servant? Who did, who did God use? Was, was it his servant? Anybody know? The Philistines. God used the Philistines. Saul, along with his sons, died battling them. God will work it out. Don't try to avenge yourself. Don't try to destroy your father figure in your life, even when your father figure is wrong. And I'll, I'll follow up on that in a little bit. If you were David upon receiving the news of Saul, Saul's death, and someone tell me, how would you have responded? You've, you've already had the opportunity to kill him, and you didn't. And he was trying to kill you. Now you've heard that he's dead. Somebody tell me how you would have responded. Relief. Relief? God did it for me. God did it for me? Yay. That's what I was looking for. I got one honest person back there. <laughs> Yay. Come on, tell the truth. Do a dance. Do, Andy, do a dance. Do a dance. do a dance. How did David respond? <laughs> David mourned. Mm. David mourned. Listen to this. One man boasted to David after this that he had killed Saul. A man boasted. Hoping this would win favor with David. What was the effect that it had on David? Anybody know? Second Samuel. Yeah, it was anger. Chapter 1, verse 14, and David said unto him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thy hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Still calling Saul the Lord's anointed. And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. David mourned the death of his father figure that had betrayed him and tried to kill him. He loved him. That's why he tried to convince him at the cave, look, I've cut off the corner of your coat. I could have slit your throat. <clears throat> David didn't allow the spirit of offense, Rusty, to come upon him. David trusted God through the worst situation that he could have been through, probably far worse than anyone that I've heard tonight. So what am I saying there? God is able. God is still God and he is able. And I don't think that you'll ever forget the pain. I don't forget, I don't think you'll ever forget the situation, I should say. But when you're faced with that person or when it comes by you again, then you get to a place where yes, you remember it, but it no longer hurts. His grace is enough as she led us in song earlier. What else, how else did David respond? He charged the people not to proclaim it in the streets of the Philistine cities. And that was a song that he had composed. Think about it. Saul tried to kill him, tried to destroy him, and David composed a song for the people of Judah to sing in honor of Saul and his sons. He loved his father figure, even when his father didn't love him. So he charged the people not to proclaim it in the streets of the Philistine cities, lest the enemy would rejoice. He didn't want to embarrass Saul. Then he proclaimed no rain or crops in the place where Saul was slain. He called for Israel to weep over Saul. So after all that, is this the heart of a man that had the spirit of offense on him? Huh? 
How come people today get offended over nothing? Nothing. Will you be a man or a woman after the heart of God? Or will you seek to avenge yourself? Dave, I think the story you shared with us about your father and how God restored that relationship after how many years? 41? You, David. How many years? Okay. God reconciled. How many years went past before God reconciled? And in his father's dying days, you was able to nurse him and take care of him. You had a choice, the same as everyone else in this room, we all have a story. To carry that spirit of offense all of our life or trust that his grace is sufficient. So how would you respond? Would you try to avenge yourself? David's choice to put his life in Saul's, in heaven's hands was what kept him from being another Saul. What David, David's choice to put his life in God's hands is what kept David, excuse me, from being another Saul. While speaking up sometimes is right, Sometimes it's the right thing to do when you have a father figure that is hurting you. When there's a sexual abuse, it's time to speak up. There is situations where it's time to speak up. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all, at all. But tonight, if you've been betrayed, you've been wounded, you've been hurt, you got to forgive and you have got to move on and you have got to try to make it right even if that individual is no longer on this earth. I would advise you to pray and write a letter. Put their name on it. Maybe even drop it in a mailbox and let it go and honor. You know the Bible with the commandments, the first one with the promise, honor thy father and mother that your days may be long upon this earth. Does that mean we don't honor them when they hurt us? We still honor them and we forgive them. Anybody wanna share anything? Anybody at all? Take Judy that microphone, please. I noticed you've mentioned twice about forgiving a parent, even if they haven't been around mm -hmm. or they're not here any longer. Yeah. I lost my dad when I was 32. Yeah. He wasn't by no means the kind of father that was sexually abusive or anything like he was just a father that depended on me too much to get him the things in life that he desired he was not saved until he was 70 and he died at 76 i got married young and he basically told that person do what do with or whatever you want and i and i saw saw that conversation happen that marriage only lasted eight years, but I got two beautiful kids from it. Mm -hmm. I was a single mom for nine years. I had many that didn't want me to go back to church, especially in my family. But thankfully, a sister-in-law from that marriage drug me to church. In that church, I found a spiritual mom, and it's Ramona Weekly. Mm -hmm. At the time that I was seeking God more than anything, I had no desire to ever be married again. I saw him, David, in the fourth row. He was like 10 rows in front of me. I was so new in my relationship with God, 
It literally scared me when I heard the audible voice that I would spend the rest of my life with him. Two weeks later, he asked me if I wanted to go out to dinner. I said, how about we go for a car ride? I was going to go forgive my mom because I hadn't had a good relationship with her since I was 12. While I was at the altar, God said, go see your father. And I went to the cemetery. I knelt down. Yeah. And I forgave my father for not being the father that I needed in my life. But better than that, my now husband of almost 13 years kneeled down at my father's grave and asked him for my hand in marriage. Yeah. Amen. That's sweet. She said he was sitting in the fourth row. You think she wasn't ate up. <laughs> she knew all these years later, she knew exactly how many rows it was. Somebody else. Somebody else. Yes, ma'am. I never met my father. Um, he deserted years ago, and mm -hmm. that's where my hurt was. And um, I always searched, always asked my mom. My mom would never tell me anything about our father, and they were married. So there's huge secrecy in the family, and um, I, I don't, still don't know what happened. So I still searched, Googled all the time, you know, looking for Richard Lockwood this. Wherever you are, he traveled everywhere. So one night, in the middle of the night, I um, finally just clicked on Google Images. And it took me hours, I think. I just kept searching. I just knew I wasn't going to stop that night. And I found his obituary. Mm -hmm. And um, the devastation came when, in that obituary, my mom had wrote down all these names for me of family members just one day, and I still have the paper in her handwriting, and I got, my heart sank to my toes, and you know, I went and grabbed that paper out of my old photo album, and you know, and had that obituary there, and everybody matched up, but we weren't in the obituary. But in that obituary, I found the only um, child mentioned was an Eric Lockwood. So um, in that, I started searching <laughs> for Eric because I knew I could no longer search for Richard. And um, I was able to find a brother that I've never met, and I know one day I will, but he's in Texas. But I never forgave, and that's something I need to work on, so I'm glad I was here tonight. <laughs> yeah. I um, have never forgave him for deserting us yeah. and um, not knowing why. No, and uh, but I'm very thankful that I met, haven't met, that I found a brother, you know, through that obituary. But that's one thing I really need to work on is the forgiveness. And um, I did plant that seed in my daughter. She never met her father, so I was always that guilt inside of me that I need to heal as well. That um, that seed carried over, yeah. so she never met her father. She still was raised by a mom that done mom and dad both, and I've done a very good job. She's my biggest blessing. But that's just this, my story on the father from Google. Pastor Rita, I want you to go back there and pray for her. I believe you said you've never forgiven. I believe that process just started. Father, tonight this is one Rita praying for another. Mm -hmm. I pray for Rita tonight. I've spoken with Rita. I can't imagine how she feels because I was very much loved by my father. But I pray that you take the wounds and the hurt that she feels. Like Pastor said, it can happen years ago, but we still hear it in their voice. We feel the pain. Father, I pray, as I pray so often, that you pour in the oil and the wine. You talk about your son Jesus is the balm of Gilead. 
teach us to forgive. You tried to teach your disciples how to pray. But I pray that you teach us to forgive and to let loose. And sometimes it's even harder when they're not here and we can't talk to them. But I pray, Father, that somehow, as she lay in her bed, or as she drive her car, or whatever she's doing, that you would show her ways, and that you would open her eyes, and that, Father, that she would come to peace with this situation. Father, I pray right now that you minister to her, that forgiveness all of a sudden would just flood her heart, and she would feel so free, oh God that she would forgive this man who hurt her so long ago. Father, teach us all to make things right where the people have hurt us, but be with Rita tonight and bless her in a special way. And may she come back with the testimony that she has let loose of this, that chains have fallen, that she's been set free and that she no longer carries a grudge or she no longer feels unforgiveness, but that she can forgive him. Teach us, Father, and we'll give you the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. David had another opportunity to kill Saul. God allowed him to, Saul, even after David cried out to him and said, Father, look, I could have killed you. Here, here's the corner of your coat. Here's my heart. Even after that, Saul went on the second time and tried to kill him. And God put him and his army in a deep sleep and they were able to go in to the camp. And people around David said, you have every right to kill him. You have every right. And David would not kill him. Just because you have the right doesn't mean it's right. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now listen to this. David approved his purity of heart when he spared Saul the first time. Yet even when David had a second chance to kill Saul, he would not touch him. Saul was anointed of the Lord and David left him in God's hand to judge. So here's a question. How many people today have a heart like David? We don't kill with a physical sword but we ravage each other with a sword of another kind. Does anybody know what the other kind, the other sword is? The tongue. Everybody open up your mouth. You got one, right? Listen to Proverbs 18 and 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Offended by friends, offended by family, offended by leaders, coworkers, we take aim with words sharpened by bitterness and anger. Even though information may be factual, it may be accurate, motives are impure. Proverbs 16, or 6, 16 through 19 says that sowing discord or separation among brethren is an abomination to the Lord. When we repeat something with the intention of separating or damaging relationships or reputations, even though it's true, it is still an affront to God. 1 Peter 2 and 22, who did no sin, neither was there guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to that judges righteously. Stand with me tonight. How many's been betrayed, or been wounded, or been hurt along this journey of life? <laughs> let it go, let it go. Take it to the cross. India said when I was speaking about writing a letter, you write it and you burn it and let it be gone. Let it be gone. Yes. I should have uh, said this uh, a couple, couple uh, back there to you. You know, um, my divorce about killed me. Uh, and I, w 
my own self tried to figure out what did I do wrong? What didn't I do for John? And I went 10 years of blaming myself of what didn't I do? You know, I tried to do everything and I anointed everything that man had, everywhere he slept, whatever, his truck, it had well all over it. But everything, and I carried that for 10 years. Calvary Temple, I was at Calvary then and they had this uh, minister come in, Joe Martin, and uh, he uh, started praying and stuff anyway. Uh, I went up and he anointed and prayed over me and he, the Holy Spirit just went over and I get up and he'd knock me down. I get up and he'd knock me down. And I think it was probably about 10 times that I got knocked down. But when I got up on that 11th time, Indy was free. And I have never felt that feeling again. It was not my fault. It was John's. He's the one that chose to go out of that driveway that day. I begged him not to, but he did, and uh, and he's paid for it. My heart breaks for him when I see him now. And between me and Crystal and Drew, we're trying to take care of him. And if you'd have told me, India, just a few years ago, India, you'll be over there taking care and feeding that man and even giving him some showers now. And, and I'd, I'd have said you're crazy because I didn't want to do that, you know. But through the grace of God, we're doing it, and we'll do it until we bury him. And I thank God. I give God all the glory. I give God the glory. And, and my daddy, I was lucky. I had a daddy that loved me. I was daddy's baby. And I never had a bad day. But we weren't, I wasn't brought up as a Christian. We were just good people. My mom and dad were good people. And... I got to say, when God saved me, April the 6th, 1967, on Easter, well, the Thursday before Easter, but that following Sunday, Easter morning, I got to lead my mom and dad to the Lord. Amen. So it's been 54 years. <laughs> I don't know how that works because you're only 39. <laughs> I was, I know, 39 and holding, honey. Let and, me tell you, let me, let me say something. Okay, honey. The difference of what I hear tonight from your voice compared to that same testimony I've heard 25 years ago, there's no hurt there now. No, it's gone. That's it's right. gone. That's what I want you to leave with tonight. It is gone. There's no hurt there. My chains are gone. Can I? Oh, no, I'm sorry. You got something else? That's fine. And listen, just as Saul, just as David had a responsibility to Saul, Saul had a responsibility to David and he fell short. There's men in this church that have been mentors to all three of my children. It's been amazing. You've sowed into their life. It doesn't have to be your biological child. It doesn't have to be the person that works for you in the mines. There is children in our church right now that do not have a father figure in their life. And you can adopt one of them and make a difference in their life. Do you hear me? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Anybody get any help tonight? Raise your hand. Anybody receive any help? Hands down. Anybody in the house that you don't know the Lord, that you're not right with God, and you need to make a commitment to the Lord tonight, raise your hand right where you're at. Is there one? Is there one? Is there one? Has anyone scarred you? Has anyone hurt you? Leave it here tonight. How long are you going to carry it? Co-worker? Family member? How long are you going to let it destroy you? Come to this altar tonight. And whatever it is, leave it there. Uh, my biological father uh, couldn't say anything bad about him. I mean, most of you, a lot of you here knew him. And uh, he was incredible, incredible. This is a picture of my spiritual father. Uh, and he was about 6'5", and probably about 350 pounds. <laughs> and he never done anything to uh, scar me or to try to harm me. 
he corrected me a few times. And I'm just kind of cut from the old cloth. <laughs> Your answer was, yes, sir. And uh, it might have been because he was 6'5", 350 pounds. <laughs> but uh, I loved him dearly. And I never, and I'll be honest, I never grieved anymore in my life. Then when I picked up the phone at 6.20 or so in the morning, I was in Virginia ministering. And my mom said, hey, pastor passed away. Unexpected. And uh, you've heard me talk about it for days. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't stop crying. But when I stood up to preach his funeral, the Lord dried my tears. And after that, I felt kind of lost. And I went to Pastor Homer Ham. And I said, Pastor, I need a pastor. And uh, he looked at me and he said, well, you're really my pastor now. He was older than dirt. <laughs> and uh, I said, I need you to be my pastor. And he said, I will. And Pastor Ham was totally different than Pastor Polly. Pastor Ham was cantankerous. Uh, he was hot-headed. He'd get uh, confused real easy. And think you was doing something, you know. Maybe he had a little bit of saw in him, I don't know. Uh, but I loved him dearly. And my same response was to him, yes, sir. And I sent my wife to my office to get me a picture to bring down of him. But it was on that digital thing. And him and I in suits at a funeral, holding our Bibles, doing a funeral together. These are people that impact your lives. So take it serious, all right? And I'll try to take it serious. Let's walk together. Let's grow together. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. The Bait of Satan podcast series can be found on Facebook and YouTube, or you can download it on the go from any major podcast platform. Make sure to like, to share, to subscribe, and tell your friends and family about the Jewel City Podcast.